Welcome to an Impact Ministries production, brought to you by Impact Ministries World Changers, changing the way the world sees God. Learn how you can become a world changer today by visiting www.impactministries.com. Now, here's your host, founder of Impact Ministries and developer of Heart Physics, the self-development programs that have changed thousands of lives around the world, Dr. Jim Richards. Hey guys, this is Jim Richards here for installment number five in this incredible series, Above and Never Beneath. You know, these are promises that just seem too good to be true. Unfortunately, the way religion has presented them to the past, or in the past for the last uh, hundreds of years, it does. It is too good to be true because it's easy believism the way religion presents it. It's, it's nonsensical. It's not even uh, congruent or consistent within itself. There's so many conflicting things in it. I'm telling you, God never, never con- contradicts himself. There's never any contri- conflicting factors in what God does. So we're talking about discovering the best life. You know, I probably should have called this seeking the best life because most people are not seeking the best life. You know, back several messages ago, we talked about what is your definition of normal. And for for most people, they're seeking what they consider to be a normal or achievable life. But that is based on their strength, their potential, their capability. They're not really seeking a normal life based on who God is his promises, his strength, his capacity to work in our lives. So this, this is a legitimate series. This is not a get something for nothing. This is not a scam. This is not an easy believism. This is a legitimate series that is based on the Word of God, based on the New Covenant, based on the promises of God, the finished work of Jesus. And it's not about greed. It's not about uh, you know, rounding up a bunch of money for yourself. It's, it's really about having the very best life, which does include being healthy and successful and effective. And, but it also includes being generous and kind, serving God, serving mankind. So, so th- this is, this is the, pu- the full picture of what it would be to have the, the abundant life that Jesus actually offered to us. You know, so often we read scriptures in the Bible where particularly in the Old Testament, where God says, you know, if you don't do this, I will cause this to happen. Now, those translations from the Hebrew to the English are nearly always incorrect when it sounds like God is saying, I'm going to punish you if you don't do the right thing. Because in the Hebrew language, uh, you can tell if the subject of the sentence is the one causing the action to take place. And so nearly any time that it says, I will cause something to happen to you, and it's a bad thing, it's in what's called the Hifel phrase, where the subject is not taking action to cause anything to happen. Uh, what happens when we make uh, foolish, greedy, sinful decisions, then that's like planting a seed in the garden, and that and that seed grows a certain kind of fruit, and God does not make an independent or arbitrary decision about what kind of fruit it's going to grow. Every seed always bears after its own type. Now, you know, I, I kind of think about it like this. You know, you know when, when we think about uh, catastrophe coming on us, uh, when we make bad decisions, and by the way, we don't have to stay in those. We, you know, if we believe those are punishment things, 
then we feel like that that's some, you know, some kind of legalistic uh, punishment from God, but we're delivered uh, from the curse of the law. We don't live in any situation where we should expect the curse, where we should, where we should believe that a curse is going to come, but especially not, we should never believe it's going to come from God. But we should realize that what the Bible calls a curse, which that's one of those words we have redefined. You, if you're really interested in discovering some reality about this, you might want to get a book by Chaim Ben-Torah, my Hebrew teacher, and me. We wrote a book called Ten Words That Will Change Everything You Think You Know About God. And we go into the whole thing about the curse and, and answer questions and really removes the fear and the condemnation uh, so that you're not always afraid of God. You're not always afraid that something bad is going to happen. Now, there's a scripture that, that probably a lot of you know, uh, from, you know from the book of Proverbs. And it says there's a way that seems right to a man. That word way always indicates a path. It's a, you know, it's a way of, of living. It's, a, it's not just behavioral. It's just everything about walking down a particular path. So you know, there's a pathway that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. Now, I want you to understand something. If we take this pathway, and if you look through God's Word, we look at them as laws and commandments that bind us and control us and limit us, but actually it is God saying this pathway is not the way to go. It will be filled with sorrow. It will be hurt. It will, you'll be filled with pain. This pathway over here, if you take this pathway, you're going to enjoy it. It's going to be easy and light. Uh, uh, you know, there's, you're going to find everything that you want in this pathway. But this proverb, uh, this is Proverbs 14, 12 through 14. Uh, verse 13 says, even in laughter, uh, the heart may sorrow and the end of the mirth may be grief. So he's saying, we're looking at this pathway that seems right to us. And, and as we begin down this pathway, you know, we're kind of celebrating. We're laughing. We're having a party. Man, this is the way we want it to go. This is the way we chose to go. But, you know, it's, it's like walking down an interstate blindfolded. Eventually, you're going to wander out in front of a car. Uh, verse 14 says this. It says, the backslider in heart will be filled with his own ways, but a good man will be satisfied from a good, or excuse me, from above. So the backslider in, the, in heart is that person who in his heart does not trust God, does not believe that God is inherently good. And so, so he seeks this way that based on his uh, determination of good and evil should get him what he wants. But when it's catastrophe that comes to you, you have to always realize that catastrophe is the end result of your own ways. The end of that mirth may be grief. But when God gets involved, and because you trust him, you take the path of righteousness, which I'm not talking about religious righteousness. I'm not talking about being, uh, you know, a condemning, uh, uh, critical, have to always be right kind of person. I'm talking about when you're seeking to harmonize your life with who God is as Jesus showed us. When you take Jesus' yoke upon you and you walk with him, then we're not just filled with the fruit of our good decision, even though that's primarily what begins to happen. 
then we are also able to participate in the things that God said and that he will bring down upon us in this path. Now, we're not earning that. You have to understand that in this world, there's good and evil, and we can either trust what God says is good and evil based on his word, or we can trust our own opinion. We trust ourselves. We are making ourselves God of our own world, and the end result is never going to be good. It might not be horrible, but it's never going to be as good as what God can provide for us. So, you know, to me, this is sort of like, a, you know, God says, uh, that's the road that will take you where you want to go. But I'm telling you, there's this other road over here. And if you take this other road, uh, you're not going to like the consequences. As a matter of fact, you will, you will suffer. You will suffer hardship and you will possibly die. So the religionist, the, unbelie the unbelieving Christian says, well, why are you going to punish me just for taking another road? What's so bad about me taking another road? It looks just right to me. So in other words, in my infinite wisdom and capability and spirituality, I choose good and evil for myself, which means I make myself God of my own life. Uh, and that, you know, that's where the whole battle started in the garden was with Adam seeking to take control of his life and choose good and evil for himself. Now, man has always had control of his life because he's always had freedom of choice. But where faith comes in, uh, we still have freedom of choice because we can listen to what God says. We can trust, and if we trust him, we will choose to follow him. We will choose to walk in whatever it is or whatever pathway that he is, is calling us to walk in. So, so you have to understand something. When it comes to believing in God, and I, have to, I hate to say this, this sounds so harsh and so mean, I don't, mean, I don't really mean for it to, but when it comes to believing in God, you have to realize that the majority of people that I talk to or have talked to over the last 49 years uh, really don't believe in God as the Bible says, because first and foremost, they don't believe in God as Jesus represented him. And you know that because they accuse God of doing things that Jesus never one time did. As a matter of fact, there are many times that if you do what Jesus did, you will be accused of being demon-possessed or showing false signs and wonders. And and so it, it amazes me how we have basically rejected Jesus as the exact representation of God and to always understand what the perfect will of God, but also, also understand the character and the nature of God. So, you know, the book of Hebrews says this in the 11th chapter, and really, even in the Old Testament, it teaches us this, that if we believe, if we believe in God, is not just believing that God exists. That's the first part. See, faith in God says, first of all, I believe that God exists. But it also goes on to say that I believe he's a good God. He is the rewarder. If I, you know, if I'm seeking him, which means I'm listening to him, I'm paying attention to him, then that will be rewarded not on the basis of legalistic works, not on the basics, uh, basis of performance, but on the basis of faith. Because in Hebrews eleven six, it says very plainly that without faith, it's impossible to please God. Because first, you got to believe He is, and then you then you got to believe He's the rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. 
There are a lot of people that do not seek God based on faith, on believing who he is. There are many people that seek God based on dead works, believing they can actually uh, uh, manipulate God into something. Well, that is absolutely not what this series is about. This series is about walking with God, living in harmony with Jesus so that all things come together for your good. Now, there are two conditions that must work or be present in order for everything to work for our good. We read this scripture, Romans 8, 28, where it says, and we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. So there are two factors, and we have already talked about loving God and, and talked about how that, that God has called us to this intimacy where he wants to be our, our personal coach. He wants to be our personal teacher. He wants to lead us. He wants to protect us. He wants to empower us uh, so, that, so that everything we have is, is, is green pastures and, and uh, banqueting tables and, and a life that's well lived, a life that, that not only is well lived for us and for our benefit, but a life that is well lived uh, as a blessing and a testament to other people. So we've already talked about the whole love part of that. We talked about that, I think, last week or the week before. But you also have to realize that there is a secondary factor in here, and it is what we're called to, the called to God's specific purpose. Now, see, God has a purpose, and it always amazes me. I find more people trying to discover what their personal calling is than ever even considering that God has one calling for all people that has to be resolved before we start trying to break it down into understanding our individual callings. As a matter of fact, if we don't get God's callings in priority, because there's really more than one calling, really, you know, Paul says, he, Paul didn't say he was praying for you to have revelation knowledge about your calling. He said he was praying for you to have revelation knowledge about his calling. How does his calling affect my life? How does his calling play into my life? How does his call, you know, how, how does this come to bear on anything with me? And I'm telling you, if you don't discover and harmonize your life with his calling, even when you're quoting the right scripture, even when you're believing the right scripture, you will never see consistent results. Now, I'm telling you, I'm about ready to give you the, uh, the, uh, the linchpin or the hinge pin, according to how some people call it different things, uh, that makes everything work. This is the ultimate foundation. This is the ultimate precursor to everything in your life always working out for good. So it says, whom he foreknew, he also predestined. So foreknowledge does not mean foreselection. And actually predestination, most of the places that that word is used in the Bible, is not who is predestined, it is how something is predestined. In other words, the way of something is predestined. So one of the things that we know, first and foremost, is God predestined before the foundations of the earth that we would only come to know him as he really is through the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, you have to understand, God lives outside of a, a, a time and space. And so God the Father has never been seen by anyone except Jesus, who was part of the Trinity. 
And so Jesus is and has been and forever will be the only person that could come to planet Earth and say, now look, you got all this stuff that you call the Old Testament, you got all these commandments, you twisted them up in a bunch of legal mess because you changed God's motive and God's intention for giving you those commandments and for saying all, the, all those things and trying to, you know, trying to help you understand how to choose good and evil. And so, so only Jesus could come because he was God, he was with God. He, according to Hebrews 1-3, was the exact representation of God. So Jesus came so we could, number one, find our way to the true God, not our opinion of God, not our denomination's opinion of God, not anybody's opinion of God, not your own opinion of God, so that we could come to the true God represented by the life, the ministry, the teachings of the Lord Jesus, and ultimate expression uh, of God's love, of course, where Jesus uh, died, was buried, uh, and was raised from the dead uh, to deliver us from the power of sin, the power of all of these things that could, could work against us. But anyhow, let's get back to this verse because we don't have much time. Now listen, on my six series, our six message series, Always Above Never Beneath, I can go into more detail because every one of those messages and that series are about an hour long. So you're talking about 30 hours that you will have in addition. It's not, it is not just a repeat of this. It is, it is some of this, but a whole lot more. So really, by the time you get through with these 30 hours in this, uh, in this audio series, and you finish these right here, you're going to understand how, to, how all things can always work for you and how you can win in every situation without hurting other people and making other people lose. And so you can download that right now, or you can order the CD a series of that. And as a matter of fact, let me just mention this. In just a couple of weeks, I'm going to be releasing a very short uh, biblical meditation on always above and never beneath. And I'm going to give it to you. Every person that purchase, purchases the audio series, you will be able to get it as a free gift. So be sure and check all that out. All right. So it says that, it says that one of the things that God predestined, in other words, he, this was so important, he decided this. And he decided this outside of the, anybody influencing him, outside of anybody talking, into it, talking him into it. He said, we are predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. Now, you have to understand this. Image has to do with, with our identity. It's not image in the sense of you just kind of look like him. You know, when we were creating the likeness and the image of God, this was more about internal characteristics than it was physical characteristics. So why do we need to be conformed into the image uh, of his son? Well, religion will tell you that when sin entered the world and man fell, that man lost his authority. Well, the problem is there is not a single scripture in the Bible that tells you man lost his authority. But in fact, there are scriptures that tell you that the problem with planet Earth is that wicked men still have authority. They just use their authority for wickedness and for evil. And sadly, the church has become so religious, we don't know we have authority. So we're hiding over here in the corner doing nothing to maintain the stability of the world and bring righteousness into the world because 
We're waiting on God to do that. We're begging God to do that. And God's like, no, I gave that job to you. That's the only thing you had to do. The quality of your life here on planet Earth and the quality of your life as you live it is all based on you using your authority. And if you don't use your authority, I can't use it for you because that would be the violating of your will, which would make God a liar and the whole all of creation would implode at that point. Now, the word conform is a compound word that means to be jointly transformed. What does that mean, jointly transformed? Well, you see, Jesus became our sin. Now, he, he had never sinned himself. He, he was righteous, but yet he became our sin. Now, I don't even know what that all means. In the book of Isaiah, in chapter 53, when it talks about Jesus' death, uh, it is a plural word. It, so this is talking about something that was greater than uh, just physical death. Now, don't, don't twist this into anything I'm not saying. I'm just, I, all I'm saying is what I'm saying. I'm not saying more than what I'm saying. And what I'm saying is this, is that Jesus died more than a physical death. Now, when we talk about spiritual death, sadly, uh, and particularly if you talk about spiritual death in relation to Jesus, people's head just catches on fire. But really, see, all the word death means is separation. And so uh, it's not necessarily talking about becoming evil or becoming wicked. It's just talking about separation. So Jesus died a physical death, and there is every reason to believe that in, on some level he died a spiritual death, meaning he was alienated from God. You know, he said it on the cross. He wasn't just quoting a scripture. He was quoting a scripture that prophesied what he would say. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Now, you got to understand, Jesus, after becoming our sin, had to experience every single consequence of, of that sin. And one of those consequences would be alienating, uh, being alienated from God. And so Jesus dies. And however you understand that, I'm all right with it. I'm not trying to tell you you have to believe it exactly like I understand it. Because the truth is, a lot about it, I can't say that I understand. I just know that Jesus died physically, but Jesus also died the death of a sinner. However you wrap that up, that's, that's fine with me. But the end result is when Jesus died, he refused to accept his circumstances. You can read it in the second chapter of Jonah. You can read it in Psalm 28. You can read it all over the Psalms. If you will look up Messianic Psalms, you will find places that are, that are exact quotes of what Jesus was doing in Hades. And some people say, well, wait a minute. Why did he say to the guy on the cross, you know, I'll see you today in paradise? Well, I don't know. But one of the things we do know based on what Jesus taught about Hades is that there was a gulf and that you could see those who died uh, apart from God, they could see the, what's called the bosom of Abraham on the other side of the gulf. So they could see who was there and they could see what was happening, which I'm assuming was pretty tormenting. But uh, so that, that, that may be what Jesus was talking about when he said, today shall I see you in paradise. He wasn't saying he'd be in paradise. He said he was, would see that person in paradise. Uh, and again, if, that, if you don't like that explanation, you're just going to have to figure out what you figure out for yourself. But all that to say, Jesus was bound in death 
alienated from God by our sins. And so Jesus starts acknowledging, I am a king forever after the order of Melchizedek. Uh, you know, I am, your own, I am your only begotten son. I, you know, so he started acknowledging all these things about who, who he was, that his circumstances were completely denied. And so Jesus was being overcome, and everything that he talks about in, uh, in, these, in these passages about, about being in the belly of the earth, it's like, man, the bars were round about me, the moss was about my head. You know, I, you know, I was about to give up, and, but then I said, you know, you are my God. I will trust you. You said you will not leave my body uh, in the grave to see corruption. You said you will raise me on the third day. And so, so he's constantly reminding himself of who God said he was, and, and he had to establish his righteousness in God based on what God has said. He had to harmonize every, every aspect of his belief, of his heart, of his faith in what God had said about him. And so by doing so, he was raised up by righteousness, leaving all that sin behind. Now, joint transformation means we look at ourselves and we see that we died when he died. We see that we were held in the grave with him when he was held in the grave. But we see that he trusted God to believe the truth about who he was. Now, you're talking about being above and not beneath. And because he established that in his heart, the righteousness of God, the righteousness of, of his identity raised him up. And so in recovering his identity, if we unify with him and see our death with his, see our sin taken uh, to the grave, in him, see ourselves raised up in righteousness in him, see ourselves sitting at the right hand of God in him, see ourselves receiving an inheritance because we are in him, then suddenly we have entered into, we have become one with his transformation to recover his identity, which is where we experience a transformation to cover our identity. Now, I got news for you. When we recover our, our self-image, our identity, our likeness and image of God, then we will instinctively and intuitively use our authority to establish those things that, uh, uh, that are in harmony with God. We're not trying to remember the right thing to do. We're not trying to try real hard at the right thing to do. We are trusting. You know, so much has been taught about, you know, our identity. But most of it is taught about our identity from a legal standing or from a positional standing. But I got news for you. Nothing is real until you believe it in your heart. And when you believe it in your heart, the grace of God, which flows from your heart, makes you able. It, it makes you capable. It, it, it equips you. It empowers you in every way to make that reality of your identity become the reality of your life here in this physical world. And so, so the problem is, apart from identity, the real truth is there's very few things that are ever going to work just right. So once I am in this deep love connection with God, and once I, and see, every time, every time we face a new challenge, we just need to go back to the cross 
And we need to reconnect to that put on, put off, just like we did when we gave our lives to Jesus. And then we will find ourselves in that path where all things work together for good, where we're always the head, where we're never the tail. Listen, share this message with people and check out the other messages I got on drjimrichards.com. And you know what? If you'd like to find out how to help us raise up a billion disciples around the world, jump on my website and look at World Changers or Operation One Billion. I'll tell you what, we are serious about helping people. We are serious about connecting people and empowering people because of their connection to God. Thanks for listening to the weekly Impact Ministries World Changers podcast with Dr. Jim Richards. If you like what you've just heard, we encourage you to share our web address, www.impactministries.com with friends and colleagues. Be sure to check out the resources section of our website for previous podcasts and our videos. Join us next week for another great message by Dr. Jim Richards.